Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to the NRL Weekend Wrap. This is not just a sports report. I do apologise. I know Weekend Wrap and a bit of content missed over the last week or so. Uh, But life goes on. We move. I was like, "Uh, should I explain it on the podcast? And I was like, do people really care? Probably not. Probably not to take too much time. So yeah, we're back. That's the important part. Uh, Right on time too. Right on time. Warriors, my team, are looking for a top four finish. Looks like that is what is going to go down. So I'm very delighted. I actually just purchased uh, a t-shirt from Rue and Hammer, who are Warriors supporters. Uh, they have some content over on Instagram. They have a lot of merch. I've wanted to buy a shirt for a while, and I saw that they had a shirt uh, that says, In Webby We Trust, with multiple pictures of Andrew Webster. So I was like, I'm going to get that. And so I did. Uh, But anyway, what's today all about? Round 26 of the NRL. Going to go through all the results. Uh, And basically, as for what's in store, going to open with the performance highlights, player of the round, team of the round, etc, etc. Then I'll jump in to all eight games from round 26. And how I'm going to do that, instead of going game by game, I'm just going to do it all in the one swift motion, hit the points I want to hit. Uh, But it's already Tuesday, so this one coming out a little bit later. I'm going to record the round 27 preview today, uh, so I think I can do it all in one swift motion. The uh, round 26 takes, and then we'll finish off by having a look at the competition ladder. I'm not too much of a number cruncher, uh, but now with only one round ahead of us, we kind of know where everything's at leading into the final round of the season, which has flown by, uh, but I am starting to get very giddy at the fact the Warriors, I would have just been happy with the top eight finish, uh, but we've put ourselves in a position to compete. Then you've got the Broncos, you've got the Panthers, oh, there's a lot going on. So we're just gonna get straight amongst it. NRL weekend wrap, round 26. Kicking things off with the round 26 performance highlights. Uh, As always, performance highlights also posted over on our Instagram at notjustasportsreport. But we shall move through these. Player of the round, Daily Cherry Evans. Uh, Was also, side note, in my Supercoach draft team, I did say on the podcast start of the year, also posted on the Instagram page, the Not Just a Sports Report, 500 cup, uh, 10 teams, $50 entry, $500 for the winner. I didn't win last season, uh, but I did win this season, and Daily Cherry Evans was a huge part in that. Now, that's not why he was player of the round. I put Supercoach aside for that decision, uh, but he just tore the Bulldogs a new asshole, essentially. Even scored a try, my multi got up, my Supercoach multi. Uh, I ended up bringing Jason Saab in, 
because I had Dylan Edwards pull out. I had Taruva, uh, who pulled out. Semi Velme was unavailable. So I brought Jason Saab in, had him in the multi, had Cherry Evans, threw Hamoli in there for good measure, and they all got up. Cherry Evans just, goodness gracious, Cameron Sorrello would have gone to bed that night, and DCE would have just been in his head. He would have been like, what the fuck? We do not have that. We have Matt Burton, a prodigious player of the future, but he's not the halfback. So, Daily Cherry Evans, he was my player of the round. Unbelievable effort. Stoked to have had him in Supercoach. Our team of the round, there were a lot of contentious positions here. Plenty of eye-catching performances, uh, but this is just what I went with. Sue me if you don't like it. And yeah, of course... This isn't the official NRL team of the round. It's just my team of the round, so whatever. Uh, Tolu Kola at fullback. Now, he's been playing centre for the Manly Seagulls. Uh, Ruben Garrick had been preferred as the backup fullback uh, with no Tom Trebojevic. Even K.O. Weeks, or K.O. Weeks, uh, had been given a shot there. Tolu Kola was remarkable on the weekend. Now, it was only against the Bulldogs... That sounds kind of disrespectful, but I feel like it's fair to say at this point of the season. But he ran for over 300 metres. He was producing try assists. He was just incredible in every facet of the game. And with the one on his back, very interesting. I think maybe, just maybe, it's tough because Garrick has looked really good as well uh, at points in the fullback jersey. Uh, but one of the big talking points with Manly over the last few years is when Tom Trebojevic seemingly, uh, almost inevitably, is going to go down, uh, who Manly would have to take that role. And Ruben Garrick has kind of been in that role for a little while. Uh, but Tolu Kola on the back of this performance gives you something to think about. And long term, if they continue to have troubles with keeping Turbo on the park, you never know, maybe the switch. Long, long way to go before this would even be entertained. Uh, but Turbo to centres, Tolu Kola, uh, long-term fullback. We'll have to wait and see, uh, but in our first real taste at NRL level of what he could offer, he looked awesome. I mean, Reese Walsh killed it on the weekend. Kalen Ponga killed it on the weekend. Scott Drinkwater but it was Tolu Kola who I felt stood tall above the rest of the pack. I thought he had an awesome game. And for Manly fans, that's something good, isn't it? That's a positive in a season where you're not going to play finals. Uh, now, I'll check the ladder at the end. Maybe there's some mathematical chance. I don't think so. Uh, but Tolu Kola, in the one jersey, highly impressive stuff. Uh, now, someone who also played fullback after Joey Manu went down, but I had to get him into my team of the round, Joseph Akoso Swali'i. He was unbelievable. Now, he's already going to Rugby Union, so not too much chat there uh, about his prospects in the NRL at fullback. Uh, I think that was the best game he's played at NRL level. Uh, now... <laughs> I just think about Paul Crawley's comments. Is this kid the most overhyped young star ever? Paul Crawley of, from the media, who are the exact ones who hyped this kid up. Uh, well, there you go. That performance would tell us 
No, this kid's not overhyped. Any of the hype uh, that goes overboard is just from the media. It's just sensationalism. But across the board, I feel like a lot of us fans, when Joseph Swali'i first hit the scene, we were hyped just in general. And as fans, it's not like, all right, if this kid doesn't become a superstar, we're going to crucify him. That's more the media's job. As fans, it's just like, oh shit. We have another absolute young throbber on the scene. I think about when guys like Jarrell Yao Ye were coming through. Uh, of course, Israel Folau, Greg Inglis, uh, things like that. So to see Joseph Swali'i, of course, off to Rugby Union, but he was also in my Supercoach draft team, helped me win $500 so he can go to Union with my blessing. I don't think he's hyped at all. I mean, I don't think he's overhyped at all. I think Paul Crawley's overhyped. I think the Daily Telegraph is overhyped, actually. But that is a conversation for another day. Definitely not Team of the Round chat. Uh, but Joseph Swali'i, he's in Team of the Round. I put him on the wing. Mike Acevo also had to put him on the wing. Four tries against the back-to-back premiers. Uh, we don't even think Eels are going to play finals. I don't think now uh, they're a chance. Damn, that's just the eels. That's just classic eels, right? They can totally outclass the best of the best, but they just cannot put it all together. They just can't. So I don't. Yeah, they can't even. They can't even challenge for the premiership. So it's like cool. You guys beat the Panthers. You guys have just proven that you have beaten the team to beat. Now with finals approaching, would have been such a huge win. And they're not even going to take part. Goodness gracious. Uh, but Mike Acevo scored four tries. Absolutely killed it. Definitely in team of the round. Knights pairing. And not the only Knights in my team of the round. In the centres, I went Dane Gagai, Bradman Best. Thought they both played outstanding games. Against the Sharks, mind you. Who are around that same point on the ladder. Uh, and these two sides could match up come the final series. So that wasn't like a game against the Bulldogs. Again, respectfully to the Bulldogs. That was a game against the Sharks, who they're in direct competition with. Newcastle, very, very impressive. Uh, and I thought both their centres stood up big time. In Gagai, a former Origin legend, who knows, might get himself uh, back to that arena. And, well, a current and future Origin superstar Bradman Best. Pretty good pairing there for the Knights. They are in team of the round. Now for 5-8, I was going to go Cameron Munster. Uh, but And usually I will pick a 5-8. Uh, but Daily Cherry Evans, player of the round, halfback. I've actually gone with a halfback in the sixth jersey as well. Adam Clune. Yeah, that's right. Adam Clune, who's Super League bound. Um, basically comes into a Newcastle side that are firing on all cylinders. No Jackson Hastings. That's the man he's replacing. Now, this could have been a point in the road uh, where the Newcastle Knights took a hit. They face a bit of adversity. Adam Clune comes in. He played so well that I just bent my rules. Not really rules, but like I don't enforce it. But usually, team of the round, I pick a 5-8 in the 5-8 position. But such was the performance of Adam Clune. I just wanted to get him in. 
I couldn't because Daily Cherry Evans was my player of the round. But Adam Clune was close to player of the round. He was phenomenal. I think he had something like three try assists. He came in and Knights, it wasn't just that they didn't miss a beat, but he actually brought something new to the table. Jackson Hastings has his strengths. Adam Clune, he was able to display his own individual strengths and work in unison with the team around him. So Adam fucking Clune in my team of the round. That's right. Uh, Tofofoa Sipley, he's in my front row. Uh, I thought he played a really big role in the battle of the middle uh, up against the Bulldogs. And he's been one of their more unheralded forwards uh, over at the Manly Seagulls. Gets through a ton of work. Uh, usually pretty consistent as well. Doesn't have too many silly errors in his game. A really consistent defense. So Toff Sipley, uh, he's someone for the Manly Seagulls that I believe is playing probably higher than what he's earning uh, in regards to the salary cap. I don't think he'd be on tons of coin, uh, but he's been in a really important player for Manly when he's taken part this season. I went with Brandon Smith. That was barely an English sentence. Just got that out there. Uh, Brandon Smith, dummy half team of the round. Roosters. We'll talk about them shortly. Uh, but Brandon Smith, there was criticism of him as well. Oh my goodness, from Paul Crawley, actually. Isn't that funny? And now, he criticised Swali'i, who's in the team of the round. Brandon Smith, he criticised as well, who's in the team of the round. And he criticised Brandon because Brandon, after the storm loss, was laughing with his former teammates. And then what I noticed, like a few weeks after that, just watching footy, Literally every single game after the game, former teammates and things like that of opposition teams are laughing and talking together. Literally like every single game. So, Paul Crawley, pull your fucking head in. Uh, respectfully. I don't even know respectfully. I think just kind of pull your fucking head in. Write some positive stories. Anyway, conversation for another day. Like I said, Brandon Smith, team of the round. Adam Fenua Blake had him in my team of the round. Uh, and alongside Payne Huss, I think he'll be in team of the year in the front row. Fenua Blake with a career best season. So stoked that he's in a Warriors jersey. In the back row, I went with Dylan Lucas. Kind of like Adam Clune. Uh, someone who came into this night side that were in fine form. Uh, and when Lucas has played this year, he's looked good. I nominated him uh, for Rising Star. A number of weeks ago uh, but this performance I thought was his best one even scored a try looked damaging with ball in hand defensively sound uh, and Dylan Lucas actually came through the Newcastle grades as a center uh, and he already had a bit about him in the back line but back row just seems to suit his game perfectly and Dylan Lucas there's more to come there that's another player who would like, I say fuck all money, and then all of us who earn less money than your average NRL player are like, oh, that's still heaps of money. We're just speaking fucking relatively, okay? Like, in the footballing world, Dylan Lucas is not... Like, he's on fuck all money, I would say. I cannot imagine Knights... Like, he's just... He's a fringy who's coming through, but that's the beauty of fringies. Because he's young. And yeah, some of these fringe first graders... 
you don't build a team just on signings, marquee signings and bringing in guys to be a quick fix. You've got to bring through some young superstars as well. But in the midst of all of that, you also want to be able to find guys within the system, maybe who aren't touted as the next big thing, but who are genuine first graders. And like, if you can get Dylan Lucas now, which they have, and hold on to him, then he might stay for less money. And yeah, the more I see of Dylan Lucas, like he'll be pushing for that starting spot next year with no Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Uh, the Knights are bringing over Jed Cartwright as well. But Dylan Lucas, this is only the start of his career in the team of the round. There you go. Uh, I also went with Elliot Whitehead, who did everything in his power uh, to try get the Raiders into form. Wasn't enough, but... He's in team of the round. And finishing off, Adam Elliott in the lock forward position. Plenty of knights in this team. Uh, but if you've listened to the, uh, the podcast, can't speak English, for the last month or so, probably a bit more now at this point, uh, knights have really captured my attention. And I know that's for fans across the board, but from around just before... The game where they beat the Melbourne Storm. I was I was starting to pay close attention to the Knights. And now, I mean, the way they're going. Yeah, I just have a vested interest as a neutral observer. Where I'm enjoying this run a lot. And Knights haven't always been one of those teams where I'm like, I really want to see Knights play. Like, Warriors are my guys. I have other teams who I guess I would prefer to watch. Like nights for a while, there's been times where I'm just like, this isn't a team I'm super stoked to tune in and watch. Now they are. Now I'm loving watching Newcastle's games. Uh, Adam Elliott, fantastic signing. He makes team of the round. And we shall move on. But just quickly recapping, team of the round. Cola at fullback. Aswali'i and Sivo. Gagai, Bradman Best. Adam Clune and DCE in the halves. Up front, Toffafoa, Sipley, Adenfanua, Blake, Brandon Smith, and in the back row, Dylan Lucas, Elliot Whitehead, Adam Elliot. After that moment of the round, uh, that could only be one thing, Ryan Pappenhausen officially returns to the NRL. Uh, with a stint off the bench for the Melbourne Storm, uh, but funnily enough, Storm ended up beating the Titans pretty handily. Uh, but it was a very close game throughout most of the contest. Storm started to really get on the front foot once Pappenhausen entered the fray, which I find interesting. Uh, we'll see what happens. It looks now, kind of with the chat around it, that potentially Nick Meany through the finals will be fullback and Pappenhausen will play that role off the bench through the middle. Uh, but that's a wait and see. But just in general for rugby league, it is beautiful. Beautiful sight to see Ryan Pappenhausen back on the field. He's one of my favourite players to watch. Uh, and there's someone who actually lives in Melbourne. And have, having been to Storm Games and actually seeing this in front of my own fucking eyes. This is a special, special player. Which we all know. I'm not breaking any news here. He's a Clive Churchill medalist. Like, fans are in a frenzy to see him back. Uh, but this, for the Melbourne Storm and for the NRL in general is massive massive i'm smiling stoked to have pappenhausen back uh, and can't wait to see what happens 
over the next few years because he's still very young, already accomplished a lot, and now he's had a huge setback, faced major adversity, but he looks good to go. And now, the back end of this season, he can just get himself uh, back into some match fitness, get himself back in that NRL environment, and then be poised for a huge preseason going into next year. Uh, so Pappenhausen's back. That can only be a good thing. Talking point, year of the ambush. Panthers, of course, falling over against the Eels in a shock result. And we have Kevin Walters at the helm of a Brisbane Broncos side who clearly, they are premiership contenders. Now, Panthers... The team to beat, no doubt about that. They lose Jerome Luai over the weekend. Looks like he's, I'm pretty sure he's going to be out for at least a little bit of finals. So Brisbane Broncos, they've maintained their form this year. A lot of the questions I had about them, I have been answered and then some. The main question the public had for them was, yeah, you can put together a great start to the season. Can you maintain that? Or would they fall off like they did last year? Well, we can see now, this is a team that has learnt their harsh lesson from last season. They have not fallen off. They are in the box seat to win the minor premiership, uh, which is the Broncos' standard. Uh, But of course, coming from where they've been the last few years, this is huge. Now, Andrew Webster, coach of my heart, coach of the year, Kevin Walters needs to be in that conversation. What Andrew Webster, and of course I have bias as a Warriors fan, what he's done for the Warriors has been amazing. And I still think he will get coach of the year. But Kevin Walters, in amongst all this Broncos hype, Kevin Walters needs to get his flowers. He was only given the job that he wanted all his life, or at least from when he stopped playing. This was the job he wanted as a coach. He never got the crack until the club was on its knees. Look at them now. Talking point, year of the ambush. Now, Kevy's going to rest some players. Staggs, Farnworth, uh, Ezra Mam, Payne Haas. Carrigan might get rested again. So we don't know if they're going to finish first, but either way, top two finish. Potentially... Week one, Suncorp final, which is already a lock. If they win that prelim at Suncorp Stadium, then grand final. They look likely to, at the very least, be there on grand final day, but we'll have to see how everything plays out. But right now, the talking point, it has to be the Brisbane Broncos. They are really, really amongst the race for the premiership. And what gives them an edge Because, of course, Panthers have the experience. They know what it takes to actually get the job done. But I think with Broncos, that excitement and that wonder for a lot of these young stars who don't know what it takes, like in this actual NRL finals environment, to get it done and go all the way and win a premiership, they have the ability. There is no doubt about that that there is the ability within the team. And I think that desire and the hunger for a lot of these guys to win their first NRL Premiership, that's going to be a major edge. Panthers, look, they have been the pinnacle of rugby league, but we've seen it 
across many sports, and this isn't relating to the Panthers, this could be rugby league, this could be other sports, of dominant teams over many eras, uh, the biggest challenge is to keep that hunger, which we can see most definitely Penrith have kept that hunger, and it's going to be there come final series. Uh, but when you have to really dig to your absolute deepest, I think Broncos, it is going to serve them well, that not only are they going to be able to dig deep because they haven't won that premiership, uh, it's still such a fresh goal in their mind, uh, but also a lot of these guys have played international games at the highest level. They've played Origins. So they've been involved in games like the final series, but they haven't had that premiership. So Brisbane Broncos. I mean, now we are only one round away in the regular season, away from finals. So it's well and truly time to get excited about what the Broncos can do. Although not too, too excited uh, as a Warriors fan. Uh, anyway, tough stuff for round 26. I went with Toa Fofoa Sipley uh, for reasons I mentioned earlier. Putting a huge stint up against the Bulldogs. A really tough performance. I don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, but from memory, he made just over 40 tackles. No misses. Uh, so a really consistent performer. Uh, and I thought it was a tough performance. So tough stuff. Toph Sipley. Rising Star. Uh, now, if you're new to the podcast, Rising Star, uh, it's the second year, and it's going to be called Rising Star until AFL contact me with their legal team, and they say, hey, you kind of jibbed our concept here. Uh, but this is my concept for now, at least with the NRL. Uh, Rising Star, last year, Jeremiah Nanai, first ever, not just a sports report, Rising Star. How it works, each round, I nominate one young player uh, who can be eligible for the end of year. Once we get to the end of round 27, uh, which we're very close now, I pull together all 27 of the nominations throughout the year of Rising Stars, and I'm going to condense it to a top eight. Uh, so that will be my opinion. Uh, but why I'm telling you this is because once it's top eight, it's open to all of you. So it's not me who decides the rising star. Uh, I put it out there for a vote on our page, like we did last year uh, when Jeremiah and I was voted rising star. And we got another cowboy here who has been uh, nominated this round, Zach Laybutt. So Zach Laybutt, I could talk a bit about him. I scored a couple of tries. And with the departure of Petahiku, Cowboys have signed Viliami Vailer from the Warriors, uh, but Zach Labert, he's going to be competing next year to be a regular part of the Cowboys setup. He's looked very impressive when he has played. I believe he's a local junior, and uh, from the little I've seen, comments from Cowboys fans, uh, they seem to be pretty high on this young player. Uh, so, going to be keen to see. I can't speak English. What the fuck? Shouldn't have had too many coffees. Uh, but Zach Labert, we'll keep an eye on him. He now becomes player 26. So yeah, I'll narrow it down to a top eight. Then uh, once round 27's complete, I'll be running polls. Not just for Rising Star, uh, but for the full end of year podcast. We'll have player of the season, team of the season, all sorts of shit. So it's going to be very interactive. 
on our Instagram at not just a sports report. And yeah, once I've got all the Rising Star nominations, I'll narrow it down. I'm still it's still not fully settled who's in the who's in the eight. There are some guys who just haven't played enough games this year where they were nominated, but like they're not gonna make the top eight. But there are there are some real thrillers in the mix for this year. Guys like Will Warwick, Jerome uh, Jerome, fucking hell, Jareem, Buller, uh, Isaiah Katoa, Jacob Preston. There are a few. There are a few guys in there. Sunia Taruva. So yeah, stay posted. Uh, after round 27 on the weekend wrap, I'll let you know all 27 players. I won't break it down because that'll take too long. But I'll tell you all 27 players who were nominated this year. I'll reveal the top eight. Uh, and on next weekend's podcast, I'll reveal the information uh, around the polls that'll be up on the Instagram story. So we're going to have a top eight, uh, and how that works, it's going to be like who I have sitting first ranked, uh, and this is just my rankings, so it's like not important, just the way I've structured it. First ranked against eighth ranked, second against seventh, so on, so forth. So it's one on one. Uh, you guys will vote, and girls. Then after that, it will be a top four. So all four who get voted in that first round will be put into a final four. We throw that up on the poll, and then you decide who's going to be the rising star. Sorry for the long-winded explanation, uh, but it's getting close. It's getting close now when the polls are going to go up. Uh, player of the year, all sorts. Going to be interactive as fuck. Uh, top point scorer, I just threw that in there. Jermaine Azarko leading the race. What a career revival it has been. Usually with performance highlights, I don't want to go over half an hour. We're about to hit half an hour, so I won't talk all about this amazing season of Azako, but it's been awesome. Good on him. I mean, Dolphins, their last couple of months of football, they have not been getting the results, and yet Jermaine Azako, who spent most of last year playing Q Cup, back under Wayne Bennett this year, what a player he is. Cause for concern, South Sydney. There's been more news come out today. Apparently, Jai Arrow's pit bull, or dog, uh, which I know Jai Arrow. Pretty sure in the past he had a pit bull. And I fucking love dogs. I actually work with and around dogs. So I love dogs. I'm, I'm not hating on Jai Arrow's dog, but I'm pretty sure it killed a greyhound back in the day or something like that. Do your own research. Uh, but apparently they had a dog day at South Sydney. Everyone bought their dogs. And Jai Arrow... And I shouldn't laugh because I actually genuinely love dogs. And this is just concerning and kind of sad. But it's just absurd with where South Sydney are at. Jai Arrow's dog has attacked someone else's dog within the Rabbitohs camp. So already, that's not good. Throw in the fact that it is turmoil left, right and centre. Although, turmoil reportedly... I must say, in all the social media things I've seen, which social media is fake, so you've got to consider that, uh, but all the videos and stuff and stories I've seen of players, they all look fine. They look happy. I think the storylines of like rivalries and things like that, I think it's being blown out a little bit in proportion. I do think Rabbitohs are struggling. I think there are issues. There may be issues with Latrell, Cody, uh, there could also be other issues within the camp. Of course, we've seen Clive Churchill. I don't know exactly 
the relation, but a relative, maybe son, came out and said some really, I guess, unfair words about Latrell. I don't know. There's so much shit going on. And I'm just like, whatever I say, someone will be like, oh. So, cause for concern, which is part of the performance highlights. That's South Sydney for sure. Uh, But back to Jai Arrow's dog. Now, in the midst of all this, Sam Burgess gone, John Morris heading to the Tigers. Latrell, I'll talk about Jai Arrow's dog quickly first, because who did his dog attack? His dog attacked the coach's dog, Jason Demetrius' dog. So, absurd. Absurd. I hope Jason Demetrius' dog is okay. And all involved. Jairo's dog, Jairo, Jason Demetrio. Because that, I mean, it's... When you see it happen, it's not fun. When a dog attacks another dog. And then the whole dynamic, just the fucking everything that's going on at South Sydney right now. And then, yeah, I've just read that. So cause for concern, South Sydney... Uh, but just quickly on the Latrell front as well, right now with a lot of the rumours and things, it's fair to be critical, but most of the stuff is personal that I see about Latrell comments and things like that. And some of it, not in the media and things like that, but more so just general random fucking people, which is not like the best source of information to read comments from. Uh, But a lot of it's just personal, and it really doesn't come from a good place. It comes from a bit of a hateful place. And there are many situations, because, like, it's as soon as you say fucking racist, it's like, well, that's just this whole shitstorm. Because there are many situations where it's not racism involved. Like, it's other things. Like, if you're a Roosters fan, he left the Roosters club. There are many... Like, other factors, the way Latrell plays the game, things like that, which people purely don't like him for that reason. I personally am a huge fan of him. I don't know him as a guy, so I'm like, whatever, I don't. I just love watching him play the game. He also doesn't play for my team, so maybe I don't take as much of a critical eye because I'm not ride or die with South Sydney. But a lot of the stuff just is super fucking personal and just... Uh, overboard the comments I see and the biggest one is for trail or fat trail because I look all I can really say on that is all the people who are calling him fat I haven't checked their profiles but I'm just gonna assume none of them have a six-pack which is weird like the fucking just the audacity And I was born in 1996, so, like, I didn't fully grow up in social media and stuff, but it's... I also didn't really grow up in the era of just none of that, where you can just say things, or people would just say things to people's face, or they would just shut the fuck up. Or they would just talk behind people's back in real life. But now the audacity to just be calling, like, a professional athlete fat and just, I don't know, it's just weird... It's a weird use of time to be doing that. Uh, but then, yeah, that's on me for holding too much weight to what random fucking people are just commenting. But it's everywhere. So it's like you can't avoid it. And there are plenty of rational people. But yeah, the, the fat troll of the troll comments, I'm just like, what the fuck? 
what the fuck. Like I said, none of them, I'm going to assume no one commenting that has a six pack. And like a lot of people, it isn't the racism element. It's just purely because of narratives being driven. Like he's been pushed into this superstar status role. Uh, and then the narrative gets pushed like, you know, kind of like Jerome Luai as well. There are just guys that people love to hate. And it starts off pretty pure from a footballing perspective uh, where you just you see them maybe do something on the field and you're like, oh, fuck off. You grab like, get fucked. Uh, but then as that kind of grows or gains traction and momentum and people start going against these players purely for footballing reasons rather than anything hateful, it's then that you start to see a storm. Like, I just think there's a lot of people that feel so strongly in a negative way toward people like Luttrell and Jerome Luai without having ever met them or having any real understanding of them as people. And they're also from fucking different cultures. Like, Jerome Luai, I'm not Samoan. I'm not from, like, Mount Druitt. Uh, and Latrell, I'm not indigenous. So, like, I, I haven't lived from their perspective and all the shit. I'm getting too deep, but yeah. Just some people feel so strongly in a negative way toward these players. And I'm sitting here just like, wow. The fucking housing market is going off its dick. Everyone, like inflation, all this shit's going on. We should be getting fucking angry at some other people. And that's all I'm leaving it at. This is not political at all. But just fucking, why are we getting angry at Latrell Mitchell and Jerome Luai? Priorities, people, let's fucking sort them out. But yeah, of course we're concerned though, South Sydney. Like, it is concerning. And even as a fan of Latrell, uh, some of the reports that have come out, which, again, I am not in the inner circle of all this. So when you read all these things, it's just like, what's true, what's not true? You just have to be like, okay. This could be spot on. Like, this could be the exact information coming straight from the camp. Or, this could be total bullshit. And you don't really ever have an idea which one it is. Uh, but, no doubt, some of the reports coming out are concerning. And the alleged incident that really made me think, Oh, wow. Uh, was that story that came out? I don't know if I can write it. I try to stay away from these things, to be honest. Um... But it was along the lines of a video session and Latrell, again, I don't know if he actually said this. Who fucking knows if he said this? But maybe he did. Maybe it's exactly word for word. Or well, the fact I'm about to say it without the quote in front of me, you can almost guarantee this is not word for word. But Latrell said, allegedly, something along the lines of, when I want the ball, like, give me the fucking ball. Like, get me the ball. Don't fuck around. If I'm calling for the ball, give it to me. And then Cameron Murray said, you're never there. Or you're basically, you're not there most of the time. Now, Cameron Murray, the baby-faced assassin, like seems uh, like such a stand-up guy. And he's the captain of the club. Has never really, he's never put a foot wrong at all. He's never, to my memory, had an indiscretion. He's just a stand-up leader. Uh, the exact example, I guess, of what people believe a rugby league player should be like. An ultimate professional. Uh, so to hear Cameron Murray 
make that comment. And who knows, like anyone who's played footy, that could have also, even if it was exactly what he said, he could have been saying that as a, like a bit of a stitch up, just like, you know, it would not be the first thing, you know, that was kind of harsh, but said in a video session. Doesn't mean he was like, fuck you, cunt. Sorry for dropping the C-bomb. But yeah, who knows? It's concerning. That's the the biggest thing. Cause for concern. They had the buy. All the shit's going on there. Jai Arrow's dog has attacked Jason Demetrius' dog. So it's concerning across the board. Sorry about the Latrell rant as well. I know some people. It's, I fucking, it's like a, sometimes a bit of a dancey topic to go around. Uh, but I'm just shooting my thoughts. Doesn't mean you have to have the same thoughts. Always open to discussion as well. But we move on. It's not all about my thoughts. Mainly about round 26. If you've been listening to the pod, you would know we finished performance highlights with the knocking on the door nomination. A player who played in reserve grade, either New South Wales Cup or Queensland Cup, uh, and really put forward a performance to say, hey, I'm knocking on the door, you know. First grade, let me in. Uh, can be any level of player, can be a youngster, can be a seasoned veteran, can be someone who's already been playing in the NRL, but just played reserve grade that weekend. Uh, this round, Tyrone Wishart knocking on the door. Melbourne Storm approaching the final series. Uh, they're probably going to rest a few guys in the game against Broncos uh, to start round 27. So I'd say we'll see Tyrone Wishart be in that side somewhere. Uh, but he played in the halves for Sunshine Coast Falcons on the weekend uh, up against the Redcliffe Dolphins. And the big point here is that New South Wales Cup, it was still regular season. Q Cup, uh, it's the final series. So the, a little bit of added spice. Final series uh, levels it up a bit more. Who was someone I thought stood out uh, amongst that intensity? Tone Wishart, uh, which at the moment, just my personal opinion, he seems to be one of those players that is elite at reserve grade level and doing all the right things, uh, but still developing as a first grader, not quite there to be a regular consistent first grader yet. And I don't mean that critically uh, because he's very young still. So I think his trajectory looks good because whenever he's been playing reserve grade, he's looked fantastic. Uh, he's still newish to the Storm system. Melbourne in general, uh, it's a new era altogether. Uh, and Bronson Garlic has been preferred rather than Wishart in that 14 role at NRL level. Uh, I think that's purely because Bronson Garlic, he's a much closer replication uh, of Brandon Smith who they lost. Similar player who can play dummy half, uh, can play on the edge, can play in the middle. So Tyrone Wishart, he's in a position where he's biding his time, but he's knocking on the door. And I think we will see him in some capacity round 27. So good on him. Still developing as well. So maybe 2024, 2025, uh, we'll really start to see Wishart's role and responsibility within the Storm team uh, start to increase. Uh, but those were the performance highlights, nearly at the 45-minute mark. So let's keep this moving, get straight amongst it with all eight games from round 26. 
All right, launching into the action. Just got it in front of me on my laptop. Thursday night, Eels with the shock of the season, 32 over the Penrith Panthers, 18. Eels totally outclassed Penrith. Penrith missing a few guys. Eels missing Mitch Moses. Uh, and there have been different points where they've been missing other players. There was a point mid-season where Parramatta looked on, uh, but just classic Eels. Great performance. I mean, Dylan Brown was exceptional. Mike Acevo stood out. Uh, a lot of players across the board. Gutho stood out for the Eels. But look, it could lead to a really bright 2024 for them. But today it's all about round 26. And it's about the 2023 season. And I just, I'm pretty sure they're not even in calculations to play finals. So there's not much use. If they were playing finals, we could talk all about how they just beat the team to beat, uh, which they also did earlier in the season, could have served them very well heading into finals. Uh, but it looks like they're going to miss out. So not too much else to talk about. Great win for the club. Uh, great performances for the players, no doubt. Uh, but it wasn't super relevant to the 2023 season. Sorry, my stomach fucking rumbled. We'll get through this. If my stomach rumbles, I'll have to edit it. Uh, out from now on but if you heard that one sorry your boy needs to eat uh, anyway Panthers Panthers look a lot of relevant talking points coming out of this game obviously they looked off uh, without Dylan Edwards he's a crucial player for them he's clearly a crucial player for them we know this uh, for Penrith I still think they can bounce back they are still the team to beat come finals uh, but Jerome Luai's injury, easily the biggest talking point. Looks like Jack Cogger are probably going to have to assume that role in the halves, uh, which he will be pretty pleased with, given it'll be the final series. Uh, Jerome Luai, without him, that obviously changes things. Uh, but once I finish this pod, I'm going to get on to my round 27 preview. So, or 20, I say 20. I'm very lazy. 27, uh, round 20. 7 preview. I'll talk a bit more uh, about the Panthers and how they're looking uh, as they go for that 3 uh, But as far as that game, Panthers off, Parramatta Eels on, doesn't matter. Not particularly, because Para not going to feature during finals, so there you go. Uh, then my team, the Warriors 18-6 over a Dragon side uh, that really, they pushed us throughout that entire game. Uh, there were a few incidents like there was the Tyrell Sloan ball grounding. There are a few things that I'm a bit CBF talking about. Uh, and as far as the Warriors, we haven't been winning that well over the last month or so. Uh, but from about six games out from end of regular season, I looked at the fixtures and I just thought, we should actually win all six of those. Doesn't mean we will, uh, but the expectation now of this new Warriors era is that we should win all of those games. Majority against teams outside the eight. Pretty much all of them. Uh, so again, this was a case of not the best performance. Uh, but a win is a win. Full credit to the Dragons. Played really well. Almost scored one of the quick quickest tries I've ever seen. Maybe the quickest try I've ever seen. Uh, but then it was a no try. So whatever. I'm always going to have bias. Like I would have been fine 
if that was ruled a try. But when it's your team, you know, when I support the Warriors, it's like, fuck it, fine, no try, I'll take it. Uh, but yeah, Warriors get the win. We're in a good place. We're in a very good place. I'm in a good place because of what they're doing. Uh, and they're doing very special things. So, look, we're obviously not the front runners for the Premiership. But look, if we just keep winning, I know we haven't been winning that well. So we're definitely going to have to play better come finals time. I say we. So I'll be participating. Maybe. We've got a couple of injuries. Who knows? Uh, we'll just wait for the round 27 team lists. Might see me on the extended bench. Uh, but yeah, it was basically the case. Warriors needed to get the win. Uh, the atmosphere in New Zealand, uh, and in particular Auckland at the moment, is just next level. So to finish third, we get guaranteed a finals game in New Zealand. Do they play it at Eden Park? Do they play it at Mount Smart, I'm just ecstatic we're even playing in the finals, to be honest. Uh, but in this game, Dragons, I thought they gave a really good account of themselves. So under Shane Flanagan next year, there's plenty they need to fix, uh, but there's also plenty to like. I've mentioned the young Couchman brothers before, uh, and there are a few other young players. So it just, it takes a bit of time. And the thing is, every time you sack a coach, it resets. Like what Andrew Webster's doing right now, landing in a club and having immediate success, doesn't happen that often. And Dragons have had some coaching changes over the last decade or so. After the Wayne Bennett era, they had Steve Price, Anthony Griffin, of course, most recently, Paul McGregor. And so every time you change over a coach, the time it takes uh, to actually sort your processes out and become a premiership contender, it basically resets. So again, Shane Flanagan, an amazing coach, uh, but it's phase one. It's straight back to phase one. Biggest to blame in this whole situation, Dragon's board and decision makers. I don't think the coaches, the players, things like that, I don't think they are the issue. I think their recruitment needs a lot of work and Shane Flanagan, that's his specialty. So for the Dragons, there are bright times ahead. I think Shane Flanagan is as close to perfect a guy you're going to get for this job. But it's gone back to phase one. So let's just remember. And the shitty thing is, for teams like, you know, the Tigers who are going, they went back to phase one this year with Team Sheens. And before the year's out, they've already gone back to phase one again with Benji Marshall. Uh, so that's what's going on with the Dragons. I don't expect them to have a crazy season next year, like crazy good. I think Shane Flanagan is going to need some time. So it's back to phase one, frustrating for Dragons fans who haven't really progressed further than phase one or two uh, across their journey in the last decade or so. So yeah, it's frustrating, but it is what it is. So Shane Flanagan, phase one next year. It's going to take some time. Warriors... What the fuck? This is awesome. This is awesome. Oh, actually, I'm thrilled. I'll talk more about the Warriors in the round 27 preview. Our Friday night game, Cowboys-Dolphins. 34-10. Scott Drinkwater putting on an absolute show. Cowboys stay alive. I'll get to the ladder at the end of this. Uh, but Cowboys stay alive in the finals race. Uh, comprehensive win over the Dolphins. 
who had an awesome first half of this season, have faded out in the back end. But I just love having a new team, and I welcome more new teams in the future. Thoroughly have enjoyed season one for the Dolphins. Uh, And the biggest thing, like I said just before with Shane Flanagan, how it takes time, this is their first year basically in existence. Like the Redcliffe Dolphins have been a thing for a long time. Uh, But the Dolphins at NRL level, this is their first year in existence. All the lead up of like, oh, they don't have marquee players. They purchased guys and brought guys in. Some guys who weren't wanted, like Jermaine Azarko, and they turned him into a marquee star. A guy like Hamaso Tabuai Fido, who the Cowboys ideally would have wanted to keep, but he was out of their first choice backline, playing off the bench. Like all these narratives, all the guys they brought in, it has been so much fun to watch. And in terms of things taking time, this is year one. All the foundations that have been laid, Wayne Bennett as the coach, Christian Wolfe ready to take over, Uh, a mix of these experienced guys ready for phase one, but also a lot of young kids who they're looking at uh, as part of the bigger picture of the Dolphins going forward. They've got Herbie Farnworth, Tom Flegler, Jake Avarillo all coming on board next year, Peter O'Sullivan, the recruitment uh, manager, who's just done a fantastic job, he's proven there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like about the Dolphins. They, unless things go pretty catastrophic, I think they can be a premiership contender. As for when, I don't think the when is that important. I think they've left it in the hands of some pretty capable operators who are going to know how to structure it so that when the time's right, they'll be there. So I don't know exactly when, uh, but as far as phase one for the Dolphins, despite the fade out to the back end of the season, they've shown us plenty. It's a pass this year. And the players would be stinging because they would have felt like they were a genuine finals chance throughout the season. And it just kind of petered out. Gives them motivation though. Can't wait to see 2024 for the Dolphins. For the Cowboys, it's all about this season. They want, they want the premiership. Bowed out in the uh, prelim last year, of course. Then on Saturday, Storm 37, Titans 16. Uh, Pappenhausen, moment of the round. I talked about that before. That was pretty much the biggest thing as to why everyone was watching the game. I didn't end up going to the game uh, because Xavier Coates was opposing me in the Supercoach Grand Final for 500 bucks, And last time I went to Amy Park, Xavier Coates scored four tries. And my beloved Warriors conceded 70 points. Uh, so I just thought I'd stay away. I didn't want to... I don't want to be the one to play Xavier Coates into form. Not that I literally have anything to do with it. He's an Origin player who works very hard. Uh, but on this particular day, I just thought I want to stay away. But Pappenhausen back, and being in Melbourne, seeing people in their storm scarves uh, on the way to the game, just the genuine joy to have Pappy back. Now, Jerome Hughes picked up an injury in this game. Very intriguing. Uh, If Hughes is unavailable finals week one, Jonah Pezzett, very, very quality young half. We've seen him come in when Hughes goes down, when Munster 
is unavailable. He's young. It's his first year of football. So do they put him in for the final series? Or Nick Meany, who it looks like he's going to start at fullback through finals. They'll bring Pappenhausen off the bench. Do you put Meany into the halves and Pappenhausen to fullback? Or even Pappenhausen into the halves? What makes it more interesting though, I think if it's 5-8, Meany or Pappenhausen, you could probably throw them in, especially Meany. But halfback is, it's a bit more like Nick Meany to 5-8. It's like, yeah, I can, I can get on board with that. Nick Meany, the halfback, regular season, why not? Finals, it can be exploited. And Jonah Pezzett, every time he's played first grade this year, I think he's given a tremendous account of himself. So Jonah Pezzett, he is just going to be waiting there in the wings to get his chance. Jerome Hughes, they'll have to monitor. I would say Storm going to rest a lot of their big guns on Thursday night. And it's going to be interesting watching the final series with Melbourne now that Pappenhausen is back. This season as a whole has just... I've loved it. Obviously, for the Warriors' reasons, uh, but just in general, been such a fantastic season. And for the Storm and their journey this year, Ryan Pappenhausen missing pretty much the entire season, but coming back at the most crucial point? Wow. Storm... We're going to have to wait and see how things develop. As for the Titans, most of that game, Titans were every chance of winning. I'm not sure exactly what happened. I was watching the game, but just, I don't know, I guess Pappenhausen happened, momentum happened, their defense isn't the best. Uh, But the scoreline, if you didn't see this one, uh, isn't a great reflection. Storm 37, Titans 16. Didn't really reflect the contest. I think Gold Coast were better than that suggests, and at times Melbourne a bit more clunky than the 37 scoreline suggests. Uh, So Storm, they're relevant in the Premiership race. I'll talk quite a bit about them in the Round 27 preview, and I'll talk about the Titans too uh, in Round 27, of course because it's their last game of the season. Uh, Now, Justin Holbrook, the coach, entering this season, Jim Lenahan, the coach to finish the season, Des Hasler, the coach for next season. Uh, So some teams, they are just set on the one goal, gunning for the premiership this year. Other clubs, plans are being put in place, firstly, for Mad Monday. Although in this day and age, you can't really have Mad Mad Monday. And I don't think it's because of political correctness per se. I think it's because of the media. There are always journalists camped out and just finding a way. I like the concept of Mad Monday. I reckon they should have some kind of villa or they should have some kind of private location. I think mixing Mad Monday with the public whilst fun as fuck with the players, like there's just so much that can go wrong in the modern day. But I would not be opposed to just if they got like a villa some kind of place, an Airbnb, a little bit out, away from all the noise. But that's the thing, even if they were like, yeah, we're going to get like a private sanctuary somewhere in the country. Dean Ritchie or someone's still going to fucking be lurking out there. 
Uh, but I wouldn't be opposed to it, honestly. I don't care what they do out there. If they go out in their own privacy, being degenerates, doing whatever, literally. If they're doing drugs, I know it's a big like, whoa, my goodness, you know, they're not supposed to, they're not allowed, it's illegal. Drugs can be very destructive and ruin, uh, have ruined a lot of people's lives. But like literally, if they're going, if they're getting on the bags, if they're getting on cat, if they're drinking, meth is really bad. Like there's an epidemic here, uh, especially in Melbourne. It's fucked. It's very fucked. But like even if they're going to go out Mad Monday and they're fucking smoking meth, if you just add a private fucking thing, then whatever at the end of the season. And they're not going to be smoking meth. They're not. I don't think. I, I'm not going to NRL once, but they're just going to be drinking. There will be a lot of dickhead behavior. So I think if you just minimize interactions with the public, minimize doing it at a bar where a journalist can come there. And it doesn't have to be like a piss-up, a drug fest. Like drugs, are, it's most of them won't be doing drugs. Like that's for sure. Most footy players won't. But you're kidding yourself if you don't think some do, across all sports. Like, we've all been out to a club or somewhere and had the revelation, oh my gosh, what the hell, this player is doing coke or whatever. So it happens. It's just more reflective of society. Uh, sorry to go deep. It's not really like a rugby league issue. But essentially, Mad Monday. Or go on a holiday. I've gone way off track. But yeah, you can be more wholesome and be like, we're going to go on a team trip to Paris, France, and go to the Eiffel Tower. Do whatever, you know? But I think they work so hard, they can't... Realistically, it's pretty hard to get too lit up throughout the season. They're under a microscope. They have to be so, so disciplined. And I think they deserve some kind of an event to blow off steam. But minimize the public... I would say probably minimize females. And that is not like to be like, oh, chicks are a trainer. It's more like rugby league players just tend to find themselves in stupid situations. Like not all of them, but there's always at least one guy when you get on Mad Monday level bender who's just gonna shit the bed and do something fucking stupid. So I would say minimize the chicks, you don't need pumped up footy players full of testosterone to just, no temptations, just let them go somewhere. And yeah, so that's where the Titans are at. They're looking at firstly Mad Monday, then they'll come back to preseason and be like, what the fuck? We're all of those Mad Monday shenanigans. And then they'll have Des Hasler and they'll look forward to 2024. Holy shit, that was not a planned tangent. Sorry for that. Uh, and yeah, drugs are bad. That's the main, like, they're not, I don't like to endorse drugs, but they can be good and they can be fun as fuck as well. Whole nother conversation for another day, but I know there are people, uh, including listeners of this podcast, who are anti-drugs, so whatever. But I'm just saying some form of Mad Monday celebration. But yeah, it's one of those things as well, like you let someone have something and they just abuse the privilege. Like once upon a time, footy players could do Mad Monday, 
but they did abuse the privileges more often than not. Like, there have been so many stories. Anyway. Anyway. Fucking hell. Sorry. Saturday, 26th of August, this past weekend, Roosters 32. Many, including myself, had written them off weeks ago. Now they are in the thick of it. 32, Tigers 8. Tigers very much in that Mad Monday mode themselves. And I bet you, I'll move on from Mad Monday now, but I bet you, uh, like during Mad Monday, Justin Pascoe, CEO, I reckon he's going to be in the thick of the action. He'll be potentially, I reckon he'll hold himself together, but be one of the most pissed blokes. Like he'll go with the players, uh, but he's a CEO too, so he'll be just, you know, he can't get too rowdy. But I can see Justin Pascoe being there even like two days into Mad Monday. It's like 6 a.m. Most of the players, including senior players, have had to go home. They have wives, they have families. Uh, but you got a couple of fringies, you got a couple of young players who don't have girlfriends or anything and they're just there to party. And then you got a couple of guys who also just love to party. Uh, they're in the very early hours of the morning as the ones who are just remaining from the Mad Monday. I still think Justin Pascoe would be there. I reckon he'd outlast even the young players. Anyway, Roosters 32, Tigers 8. Tigers finished last. Yes, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Sydney Roosters 32. They're on. They're on. We'll look at the ladder in a moment. Uh, Saturday night, Broncos just keep on rolling. Massive win as well, given the uh, Panthers loss to start the round. 29-18 over the Raiders. Uh, Broncos did what they needed to do. They got the win. Raiders, uh, it was just, a, it was an ugly game to watch and frustrating. I'm pretty sure at different points, oh, that's right. It was in direct correlation with UFC Singapore. So you usually UFC on a Sunday here, um, but it was on Saturday night. And I was watching the Raiders and I was just like, this is actually punishing to watch. And so I switched over to the UFC. And yeah, it was a bit of a conundrum because it was only UFC prelims at that stage. And to be honest, the prelims weren't that exciting. But yeah, the Raiders, what I was watching, it was just painful on the eye. I don't know if I'm being too harsh or whether anyone agrees with me, but it wasn't like a fun, free-flowing footy game. It was a struggle. Everything looked like, a, looked like a bit of a struggle for the Raiders. Uh, their team at the moment, and just kind of everything going on there, leading into finals, it's not filling me with a great deal of hope. They look a lot less like they have their shit together comparatively to pretty much every other side in the finals race. Uh, so Raiders, I don't know. And anyone who's listened to the pod for a while knows that I love the Raiders, but... I did not love watching that. It was painful, painful on the eye. So we'll move on. But Broncos, massive win. Canberra, painful on the eye. Seagulls were not painful on the eye. They were very enjoyable to watch. 42 over the Bulldogs, 24. Bulldogs season has been shambolic. That's a bit of an overhyped kind of statement to blow it up, but 
like people saw them making the eight or having this big run, kind of like I guess the Warriors have, maybe to a lesser extent. Uh, but they've gone backward. Like you'd have to say when Mick Potter was the interim coach, that Bulldog side would probably beat this Bulldog side. But then it goes back to what I said earlier, Shane Flanagan, phase one, you sack coaches, it goes back. Uh, now since Des Hasler, they haven't been very steady. Des Hasler as well, there's always that narrative of the back-ended contracts and stuff, which also comes into play. So then the next guy, the Dean Pay, uh, who lands in the position, you immediately inherit uh, things from the previous management or coach. So you get into phase one, and it's not like, okay, I'm going to get this team firing. Your first thing is like, what a mess. Most teams who sack their coach are not killing it. So usually you come in to a bit of a mess, and you got to get the side up again. Uh, so they went Dean Pay, then they went Trent Barrett, and then they had Mick Potter in there. Then Cameron Seraldo, uh, who, like, th there was a lot of praise around this. He seemed like the right guy. I still think he is the right guy. That's the thing. I'm going back, though, to my theory. Uh, the phases. Bulldogs have just taken themselves back to phase one. The Trent Barrett thing. Uh, he looked like the long-term coach. Then he left. Uh, and then it's like a reset. They went back to phase one mid-season last year. Mick Potter, he got them playing a brand of footy. And a pretty decent one at that. Now Cameron Sorreldo has arrived from the Penrith Panthers... And look, it's been a grim season, but there have been injuries. And I think it's just a case of for Sorreldo, this isn't the Panthers. And he knows that. It's just going to take some time. And they have regressed. Like, there's one thing to be patient, but it's another thing to see the side kind of get worse. Or have a worse season than they had been in the last couple of years. But Sorreldo, I think he's the right man. You've got Phil Gould wheeling and dealing they've got their sponsorship sorted and all that kind of corporate nonsense uh it seems to be in a good place they're sorting out their roster uh, like i said last year that i thought they were short an edge back rower uh, a dummy half a halfback and a fullback they sorted out kick out and marnie so that was the hooker problem uh, solved then you had kick out land at the club stephen crichton blake taff coming to the club next year, so they're working on some fullback options. Taft can also play halfback. They've brought in Toby Sexton. Uh, they're not the ideal guys to be your number one halfback, uh, but Bulldogs, they're making moves. They're sorting out their roster, and I have faith that they're actually they're on a good trajectory. They're just in phase one again because the club's gone backward uh, a number of times over the last five, six years. So back to phase one. Manly in phase one this year. They also, like the Bulldogs had previously, got rid of Des Hasler. Uh, Anthony Seabold arrives at the club. Of all people, Anthony Seabold arrives at the club. They don't look like they're going to play finals, uh, despite a promising preseason. All in all, though, Anthony Seabold's done a pretty good job. I'm going to wait and see because it's heavy invo uh, involvement with player agent Isaac Moses, which historically does not work out well when you've got a number of players involved at the club with Moses. I believe Seabold 
under his management as well. Uh, but as far as the actual coaching side of things, Anthony Seabold, it's been a fantastic redemption. Big win uh, at a core stadium, and I'll suss the latter. I don't think they can make finals. Lastly, finishing off the round, Newcastle Knights. Uh, you heard my team of the round. A lot of Knights in the team of the round. They were just in a league of their own, as they have been, getting the win over the Sharks. And for Newcastle, I've lost count of how many games they've won in a row. Uh, and I'm fully invested, fully on board. And they're looking set for a home final, week one. And they've shown they can compete with the Broncos this year. They've shown they can compete with Penrith and push them to the edge. Uh, they've beaten most of the other sides, the Raiders, the Warriors. Uh, they beat the Storm. And they outclass the Storm, big time. Uh, Storm sitting in the top four. It's so a Newcastle. I'm highly excited about this run. Uh, I'll talk in depth more so about now their overall premiership chances on the round 27 preview. Uh, but two final points out of the round. Ponga looks to be injured. Uh, so hopefully they can get him right for finals. I haven't checked the details of whether he's going to be out for a bit longer than one week. Uh, but up against the Dragons, final round of the season... I would say maybe Lockie Miller goes to fullback, who signed with Leeds Rhinos, I believe, for next year. Uh, the other point was Ricky Stewart telling a Fox Sports cameraman uh, to fuck off. Whatever. As I said, I love the Raiders, and I do love Ricky. He's prone to some of these things. But it's just like, whatever. I'll let, I'll let the rugby league world decide what goes on there with fines and things like that. Uh, and buys. South Sydney had the buy, but managed to probably be the most catastrophic and chaotic team of everyone in the competition. So good on them. Um, and yeah, like, sorry, I'm saying I'm a bit. But they would have had this dog day and been like, maybe let's get morale back. Everyone bring their cute dogs. Like, who doesn't love dogs? If you don't love dogs, whatever. But I fucking love dogs. And I think most people do. So you get everyone together, Morel Booster, Jaira's dog, I assume severely attacks Jason Demetrio's dog, the fucking coach. This is so catastrophic. This is like just rugby league is such a cycle of strange events and drama and theatre beyond the actual 80 minutes that takes place on the football field. And I think... This Jaira's dog situation with the coach's dog might be the first of its kind. Like, we see things repeat themselves a lot. I can't remember a time. Like, this is very unique to its own situation because there's been so much going on with the Rabbitohs. Latrell Mitchell stories, Cody Walker stories, Cam Murray in the news, Russell Crowe having a conversation on the phone with Sam Burgess, Burgess leaving, an icon of the club. Only a couple of years after Adam Reynolds, the heart and soul of the club, leaves. All this just stuff left, right and centre. And a player's dog. A player. And I don't mean this from a judgmental perspective because I have no context on the actual situation. But this is the second time uh, he's had a dog attack another dog. So we'll have to see. But it's the coach's dog. That's the part that's just like fucking hell. You guys had the bye week 
Should have gone to Bali. Should have gone to Bali like the Knights. But that's also the thing. Let's remember most of the time when all of these stories are circulating and it's just the biggest shit show of all time. Like, let me peel back a couple of these. Newcastle. Who remembers the Magic Round bye week? They went to Newcastle, or actually specifically, Bradman Best went to Newcastle. Now, the media, like mainstream, Fox Sports and stuff, it was the most outrageous thing they'd ever seen, at least for that particular 24-hour cycle. And Bradman Best, he's over in Bali. The night's a fucking shit show. They're not going to do anything. You should be working hard. You should be at training, working your ass off. And Bradman Best comes back. Knights had a win coming off the bye. Uh, he plays Origin, one of the best on field in his Origin debut, Game 3. Knights on the run of a lifetime right now. Bradman Best in career best form. So let's think back to how everyone felt at the Bali, uh, at the time of the Bali fucking trip. Now, with hindsight, it's like, okay, was that a big deal? Fuck no. Same thing as Joseph Swali'i, the most overhyped star ever. Well, he killed it on the weekend. Roosters in general hadn't been doing that well. In hindsight, was, you know, Swali'i being overhyped, was that a big deal? No. It's just the common, seems to be the common theme. So, we shall move on. We'll finish off. Finish off with a ladder watch. Okay, before I record the round 27 preview, I'll just have to kind of remind myself of this podcast and be like, just hold off on the tangents. I'm going to go more rugby league, less fucking... I've gone some places today, uh, but that's the beauty of just sitting down live and going minimal notes. Sometimes I'll go more in-depth notes, uh, but yeah, who knows what the fuck's going to come out of me here for the ladder watch. As always, we start at the bottom. We never like to go down and finish the pod on a negative note. As for 17th place Tigers, they're going to finish last. Thanks for taking your game to New Zealand, Tigers. Much appreciated. I will not be shitting on you here. Dragons, 16th. They're going back to phase one next year, as are the Tigers. Surprise, surprise. You know, just rinse and repeat the cycle. Come down toward the bottom of the ladder. And yeah, both of those cases, it seems like the organization rather than coaches and players seem to be the problem. 15th place, Bulldogs. Yeah, good on them. They're actually only two points, so one win behind the Titans and Dolphins, who our perception this year is that those two teams have been far better than the Dogs. Uh, Dogs for and against, very poor. Uh, But Dogs, yeah, like I said, it's just phase one this year. So 15th, not the worst. You're not sitting 17th. Dolphins, 14th in season one. Better than a lot of people had them, so good spot to be. Not really, though, but year one, it's a good spot to be. Uh, 13th placed Gold Coast Titans should have been way higher. Their expectations within the own four walls of that club is that they should be much higher than that. Defense has to be worked on. They go back to phase one next year. um, But like I said, how a lot of these coaches like Flanagan, you come into a bit of a mess most of the time if you're replacing a sacked coach. 
Des Hasler comes in to a pretty capable organization. Got guys like Mel Meninga involved. Uh, you never really hear about the Gold Coast Titans having boardroom shenanigans or anything like that. So there seems to be a level of stability. Tino Fasur Malawe, David Fafita, they've just re- recommitted to the club. You have a ton of elite young superstars. And the big thing with the Titans, they just need to find a defensive identity. Their defense, it's clear, I say it all the time, that is what has stopped them from being in the final series. That's why they sit 13th. There is a lot to like about them, but their defense lets them down, lets their fans down time and time again. But here's what's awesome for them. Next year, with Holbrook's gone, you go back to phase one. Des Hasler, premiership winning coach, comes in. I just talked about Tino, David Fafita, all these young stars, Jojo Fafita, Jaden Campbell, Brimson. They got fucking young players coming out the wazoo. Chris Randall, not a young player, but has transformed himself into an elite middle forward. Des Hasler comes in to a roster that is not a mess. It's just a roster uh, that has been a bit uninspired in terms of their performances. And they're not a sleeping giant because you wouldn't say Gold Coast Titans right now are a giant waiting to happen. But they're, they're dormant. They're dormant. And I think, like, if we look at how the Warriors have exploded this year, imagine what the Titans could do if you can unlock Fafita, Tino, Brimson, Campbell. Like, if you can find the best spot for all these players to play their best football. I love the Warriors. They're my team. But Titans, everyone playing to their full potential is an unbelievable roster. So this is a great situation for them. Des Hasler, they're having a crack at an experienced coach. And there are a lot of experienced coaches that come in and it's like, I'm not too sure if Anthony Griffin's the guy or that's just an example. But like a few coaches have been around the traps. But on this occasion, Des Hasler's legit. And he didn't go out of the Seagulls last year, you know, in shambles. He could hold his head up high. A lot of the things that went wrong for Manly were really out of Des's control. So that's a match I really like. I don't know if they're just going to come out and absolutely kill it our first time around next year under Hasler. Like I've said, phase one. You're going back to square one. Uh, but it's a great match there of the roster, the youth within the team, Des Hasler, and then throw in Kieran Foran who has, of course, a close relationship with Des Hasler, very close, to the point where he only signed to the Bulldogs to play under Des. I don't think he ever got that opportunity. Spent a bit of time at the Dogs, now at the Gold Coast Titans. Who knows, Ben Hunt could even roll in there. Uh, So Gold Coast, they are dormant, but out of all the sides who are kind of in that Phase 1 Mad Monday period, Titans... There's a lot to like. They need they need to improve. 13th for the side they have is just not good enough. 12th placed Manly Seagulls. This is where we see where the finals is at. Uh, they can't make it 27 points. And I mentioned during the season, uh, the two-game series with Newcastle. There was, of course, the draw the first time up. We kept saying it. It's going to come in to calculations. 
uh, that one point. So then Manly lose to Newcastle in the second game of that series. And I said, that's a big disadvantage because you've only taken one point out of that two-game series. And then, yeah, they can't make it, unfortunately. Eels, I think they have the bye in round 27. So they'll go to 30 points. They currently sit 11th. They have a good for and against. They actually... Are they going to go above the Raiders? No. They'll go above the Rabbitohs, but only momentarily. But I'm crunching numbers too hard. Eels are 11th. I think they can still make it. I don't know. I'll let someone else tell me. We'll see this weekend. Can the Eels make it or not? At this point, I mean, you haven't left yourself in a great spot to do so. Even If they even can. Okay, Roosters... 10th place. I wrote them off. They beat the Rabbitohs, who are fucking all sorts is going on there. They beat the Rabbitohs, they're going to play finals. So, wowza. Wowza. Roosters. Here they come. Last year they did kind of similar. They had a huge run into finals last year, but it seemed like they ran out of steam. So what's an interesting point here, the run has been a lot shorter, and they haven't been super physical like last year, and one of the form sides leading into finals. Uh, but this time, maybe they've just left themselves with a fair bit of gas left in the tank to make a substantial run. So Roosters, well and truly back in the frame. That was shocking, sorry. Uh, Cowboys, that was a rooster chicken sound as well, if you, uh, if you didn't know and just thought, is this guy fucking... This guy having a moment. Anyway, Cowboys ninth place. They can still make it. Uh, and we'll talk about that in the round 27 pod. But they have to win. Rabbitohs. Even if they do make it, what the hell's going on? They have to beat the Roosters. I think it's that simple equation. Raiders in seventh. I think they will play finals. Oh, they actually might not. Their for and against is so shit. They're on 32 points. Rabbitohs, Roosters, both on 30. Uh, Roosters don't have a great for and against. Is it still better? Is it still better? It's still better than Canberra. Canberra have the worst for and against out of any side in calculations. So winner of Roosters and Rabbitohs will go above the Raiders uh, momentarily. Raiders play... I don't even know who Raiders play. I haven't checked the fixtures. Let me actually... I'm on my laptop. Sorry. I'm going to check right now. Because I'm intrigued. So Cowboys have to beat the Panthers. We'll have to wait and see if Panthers rest players. Cowboys have to beat the Panthers. Winner of Rabbitohs and Roosters goes through. Raiders play the Sharks away from home. So Sharks sit one point, or one spot, sorry, above them on the competition ladder. They are on 32 points. A better for and against. So Raiders lose, I mean win. And they should get a home semi or home final week one. Holy fuck, I'm butchering this. This is why I usually don't crunch the numbers. I've waited until like the very, very end. Because I just I lose my marbles. Uh, but Raiders can get a home final week one. But if they lose, they're basically as good as gone. Uh, either Rabbitohs or Roosters will climb above them. Cowboys essentially have to beat Penrith. And Penrith, they may very well choose to rest players, especially now that the Broncos are resting players. And regardless, whoever Panthers have out there, 
tough ask. Uh, so Raiders, Cowboys, they are essentially vying uh, for the same spot. And if the Sharks lose, they still have a way better for and against than the Cowboys. So Sharks st should still go through now. Uh, so Raiders, Cowboys, they are essentially vying uh, for one available spot. And it'll be the Roosters playing the Rabbitohs for one available spot. That's kind of where we're at in the lower part of the eight. As my stomach rumbles, we're close to the end. I don't know what I want to eat. I gotta eat something though. I can't fucking be rumbling all the time. Yeah, gone full Batista mode. Royal Rumble 2005. Anyway, Sharks sitting sixth. I just talked about them. Knights fifth. Hell yeah to the Knights. They were my pick to run last. Hell fucking yeah to the Knights. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm continuing to enjoy it. Warriors are obviously going to have my main support. Raiders, it's kind of pissing me off to watch them. Uh, obviously through family, I support them, but Warriors my team. Raiders, painful to watch, but I will support them unless they play Warriors throughout the final series. Uh, Panthers were my pick to win preseason, uh, so whatever. Like I would have some vested interest to see my pick be correct. But I also picked Knights to run last, so Knights are fifth, they're killing it. Hell yeah to the Knights. I'm going to be watching Newcastle, and if they aren't playing the Warriors or the Raiders, but most specifically the Warriors, I think I'm going to be cheering on the Knights. I'm loving what they're doing. They sit fifth, Newcastle, week one of finals. From there, who knows? Sky's the limit. I'm not going to put a ceiling on them. I'm not going to say they can do it. But I'm also not going to say that they can't. Not putting a ceiling on them. Fourth place, Melbourne Storm. Ryan Pappenhausen has just been injected back into the fold. Here we go. They will either play Broncos week one of the finals, who they play this week, or they'll play Panthers. Uh, most likely is that they'll play the Broncos. And let's say they do. Then this week we'll see those two sides face off uh, with a lot of fringe players. And a lot of players rested. Finals week one, they would meet again at Suncorp. Uh, or it would be Panthers and Storm. That would be a very interesting contest, given how we've seen a big gap between Panthers and Melbourne. But now, Luai out, Pappenhausen in. Could that be enough uh, to change the momentum of a game like that? My beloved Warriors in third. I'm the happiest man alive. I'm sure you can tell. Uh, so third-placed Warriors, I'll talk in the round 27 preview all about the Premiership charge because we're going for it. We're going for it. Broncos, Panthers up at the top of the table competing for the minor Premiership. Those are the two teams clearly in front of the pack. But as a Warriors fan, I'll take third. I'll take challenges. Fucking oath. So now, round 26 done and dusted. My stomach be rumbling like a G6. I need to get slizzard. Slizzard on like a croissant or something that'll fix this shit out. Uh, so round 27. I just crunched the numbers there. Cowboys, Raiders. Uh, it's all on the line for them. Rabbitohs, Roosters. It's all on the line for them. Also fun. We get to see debuts. We usually get to see some debuts and shit in the final round of the season. Especially for the lower sides who are just like, fuck it. Let's see. Let's see how this kid goes. So keen to see who makes the team lists. A lot of star players, I think, will be rested. 
some people will be of the view of like, no, the best players should play. I love seeing who else they've got. Because it's not like Premier League or things like that uh, where these other guys throughout the squad get rotated through uh, during the year. It's usually you pick your 17 and if the side's in form, you just stick with it week to week. So I love seeing uh, all kinds of other players get their opportunity. So that's going to be a fun aspect. Round 27, one more week of regular season footy. For the sides outside of the eight, the misery, it comes to an end. You can get excited about the preseason. And right now, there are still 10 teams who believe they can win the Premiership. Although one of those teams are having dog meetups go spectacularly wrong. So, yeah, we'll get into all of that and unpack it. Round 27, I need to unpack a croissant or something. Sorry for the stomach rumbling. If you didn't hear it, disregard everything I've said about it. If you did hear it, I am so sorry. Round 26 in the books. Round 27. We're ready. It's about an hour and a half from team lists dropping. As soon as I have the team lists in front of me, I'm launching into it. Round 27 preview. That'll be out later this evening. But until then, we'll kick back. Enjoy. And if your team's playing finals, it's time to get excited. So let's get amongst it. Round 27 preview later tonight. That's it for today. Enjoy your fucking Tuesday. I was going to say Monday, but it is Tuesday. You know it. We're going to enjoy it. <laughs>